Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan continues our summer movie series, New Hope at the Movies, with the film Coda. The scripture is from Galatians 6, 1 through 13, read by Clark Callahan. Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, share their burdens, and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now, you who have been trained to be self-sufficient to, excuse me, be very sure now, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds, and he'll have to show for his life as weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. Now, in these last sentences, I want to emphasize in the bold scrawls of my personal handwriting the immense importance of what I have written to you. These people who are attempting to force the ways of circumcision on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good before others, lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's suffering and death. All their talk about the law is gas. They themselves don't keep the law, and they are highly selective in the laws they do observe. They only want to be circumcised so they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their size, to their side. That is contemptible. Today we continue our series, movie summer series. Uh, and I won't make you read the whole Nicole Kim and AMC thing again. Uh, but we're doing this because movies are telling a story, and stories are powerful. Stories help us to expand our minds and understand people better and see something maybe we didn't see before. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the movie Coda, uh, 
and that's on Apple TV Plus. You can't rent it anywhere else. That's the only place you can watch it. Uh, so we can get a free trial and just watch that and then cancel it if you want. Um, that's usually what I do with a lot of things. So you, got, you have to rotate through email addresses, right? You could create more email addresses to get more free stuff. Uh, <laughs> Somebody's probably listening to this, and I'll get in trouble. Um, so, Coda is a wonderful story. It's a wonderful movie. It won Best Picture in 2021, and we're going to watch the trailer for it in a bit so you can get an idea of what the movie's about. Uh, but it's a, it's a coming-of-age story uh, about a girl named Ruby and her struggle to, uh, to live out her own uniqueness within her family who her brother and her parents are all deaf. So this is Coda. There are plenty of pretty voices with nothing to say. Do you have something to say? Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling, yeah. Yeah! I get a feeling that I never, 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 never had before. You're the girl with the deaf family? Yeah. yeah. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling I feel so strange. Everything about me seems to have changed. <laughs> I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. So if you don't know, CODA stands for uh, Child of a Deaf Adult, but it also stands for a musical term that denotes the conclusion of a piece. I didn't know that one before I started writing up the sermon. I probably learned it at some point in high school, but I forgot all about it. Uh, so that the music and the deaf piece is in this film. 
This movie starts with the family kind of being isolated on an island of their own because uh, Ruby is kind of their translator for everything uh, because the rest of the community doesn't know sign language. So, and, and Ruby is struggling through high school with that to be a normal kid all the while having to go uh, fishing with her brother and her dad in the mornings, uh, wanting to get involved with something that's unique to her. That's why she gets involved with music. And as conflicts in the story continues to unfold, I think the main character in this movie behind everything, of course it's a movie about um, growing up, finding yourself, learning to let go as parents and letting your kids be somebody, uh, the unique individual that they are. But I think the main character in the background of all this is community and how community changes the lives of every person in this family. So, according to um, the U.S. Census Bureau, Americans have been spending less time with friends and more time alone even since before the pandemic. And it only got intensified with the sense of social isolation. Woof. You know what I mean. Um, and 60% of Americans feel lonely on a daily basis. 60%. So that's like right in this room, 60% of us feel lonely on a daily basis at a time in history where we're connected more than ever. But we're still feeling lonely. Lon feeling lonely isn't bad in and of, of itself. We're human, we're going to feel that. But the fact that we have all the things that we have, all the ways of communicating with one another, but yet now we feel more lonely than ever signals a problem. We're going to talk a little bit about something called social capital, and it comes from uh, Bowling Alone, the Collapse and Revival of American Community. And this is a, a very influential book. It's a lot of, um, if you're kind of a statistics nerd and, and how, and sociology and anthropology and stuff, it's really good for that. But in this, the author demonstrates a drop in social capital. We could think of that as like community, right? Uh, in contemporary America. And it identifies the cause and consequences of this drop and suggests ways to improve social capital in the future. And why it's called bowling alone is part of what he's talking about is in America, we used to have a lot of these public spaces together where you were forced to be with people different than you, who thought different than you, and now we are continuing to more and more create spaces just for us and our people. And so bowling alley would be one of those places, right? Do we have a bowling alley in Castle Rock? No. We don't have a lot of public spaces where people get to hang out with each other besides restaurants. So through social capital, it can vary across many dimensions, but the most important distinction he makes in the book is between bridging and bonding social capital. So we're going to take a look at, oh, well, here's the description of social capital, uh, the connections among individuals and their social circles and the norms of reciprocity and trustworthiness that arise from them. So this is how we connect with one another. Bonding social capital is described as networks that are inward-looking uh, and tend to reinforce exclusive identities and homogeneous groups, most useful when you're just getting 
by in oppressive situations. And examples of this are such as uh, that examples of such networks include ethnic fraternal organizations and country clubs to get an idea of what he's talking about. This social capital also can provide a super glue, right? It's the thing that binds us all together, but sometimes too much. That there's a circle around each of those communities on the picture there that we cannot get into each other's circles. The other one he talks about is bridging social capital. And this one uh, is outward looking and includes people across diverse and social areas. Uh, this is most useful to bring networks and assets together for the purpose of moving forward of the status quo. And then examples of this would include the civil rights movement and youth service groups. This type of social capital provides a sociological WD-40. All right? That's what bridging social capital is. So, thinking about these two, uh, it's not an either-or thing, it's a both-and, and sometimes they're both existing at the same time. Uh, it's not that we have to be one or the other, but we're always going to be moving in between those, right? So, for example, a black church may bond individuals based on race and religious belief, but bridge individuals across class lines. Social capital was increasing in the U.S. from 1900 to about 1970. You had World War I, World War II, a lot of different opportunities where people came together for a specific cause. And since 1970, it has declined and declined and declined. And so, this theme is consistent across seven separate measures of social capital, the author says including political participation, civic participation, religious participation, workplace networks, informal networks, and in mutual trust of one another. We don't trust each other. We're divided more than ever. We've chosen our tribes. We've decided what we believe and we won't budge from it at all. Technology has simultaneously brought us all together but also isolated us. And I think a lot of what we're experiencing in our world, in our culture, connects to the church in Galatia and what Paul was telling them in the scripture that was read by Clark earlier, because uh, they were setting up some divisions in their church of who was a better Christian than others. So the crisis in the church in Galatia was that people saw themselves as uh, one type of Christian, they looked down on other types. Uh, so... The Christians that came from the Jewish tradition, not the Gentiles, they were still trying to keep a lot of their law, the old law, as Paul would say, uh, as it talked about in the scripture of circumcision and demanding that people uh, do that because that's a sign of their faith. Uh, they demanded the conformity to their views. If they saw others doing something they believe was wrong, they would feel smug and think that's not how we behave. And these groups were defined in terms of status and division and wasn't based on theological factors. It was just social and cultural factors. So the church in Galatia was practicing bonding social capital. It was like, we're drawing this line. This is who we think you should be. And if you can't be that, 
you can't be in this community. You can't be in this circle. Now, communities always need values, right? We need values and guides that, that help us along the way to help us get along with each other and help with conflict. But what was happening in the Church of Galatia and what's happening to us now, I think, in our culture is we are continuing to do the bonding social capital. I think this is a very easy attitude to creep into the church. Divisions in the wider society, whether it's class, income, race, sexuality, political party, it can lead one group of Christians to look down on another. That now even Christians, that we are supposed to be the group and the light to the world of how to work together, even when we have differences, we are now dividing along those same lines. So the law in question that Paul is talking about is the law of love. He says this is the law of the Messiah to no longer follow the old law, but they were sticking to the old law. And Paul tells the church that circumcision only makes sense if you're going to keep the whole law. But the agitators in the church that wanted this, they're only concerned about one thing because they believe that somehow that this act looks good upon them, it saved their own skin. That was a bad, <laughs> bad use of words. Um, sorry. <laughs> All right. Let's shift. All right, back to the problem in our world. So, but does it really matter that our social capital and community is declining in the world? Does it matter? I think it does, and I think the, the author of Bowling Alone does as well. He identifies five features of what happens when we do work together, when community is present, when social capital is present, and we're working with one another. He says, first, social capital makes collective problems easier to resolve as there's less opposition between parties. This results in improved social environments such as a safer and more productive neighborhoods. Second, it makes business transactions easier, since when people trust each other, there's less of a need to spend time and money enforcing contracts. As a result, economic prosperity increases generally. Third, social capital widens our awareness of our mutual connectivity, that we all belong to each other, that we, we all, uh, what we decide to do affects others, what others affect decide to do affects us. This can um, improve the quality of our civic and democratic institutions. And fourth, it helps the increase and speed up of the flow of information, which in turn improves education and economic production. And he says, finally, social capital improves our health and happiness. That's another piece of this statistic of people feeling more alone than ever. Our, um, our average lifespan is starting to decline, right? The expectation of how long we're going to live in America is starting to slowly decline as well. So the solution that Paul gives the church in Galatia, that was a very long uh, scripture that Clark read, so thank you, Clark. But I think there's a lot of good things in it. But Paul is talking constantly about bearing each other's burdens Caring for others, not being too judgmental on people if they sin because guess what? You're going to sin at some point. And what do you want in return when that happens? You want some grace and love and compassion as well. 
Basically, he's reminding the people in Galatia that you belong to one another and you should act accordingly. Creating divisions and and pushing people out or saying you have to be a certain way isn't working. I think this is the paradox of genuine community living. It's hard because it means that uh, it's all for one and one for all. So when one suffers in the community, we're all there to help. So, this means to take each other's burdens seriously, to be humble and to recognize when we had a role in a situation. And I think in community, it's a wonderful place for forgiveness and reconciliation. It's the place where that can truly happen. And this doesn't mean something like, we're in community with one another, and there's someone in the community that's like just a nuisance. You know the person, right? It's not saying we forgive you for being a nuisance, right? That's not forgiveness. It's more about uh, scripture calling us to work on changing ourselves and our own discrimination. So it means discovering that I too am a part of the cause of you being a nuisance because I have dominated you, hurt you, brought fear up in you, or because I haven't listened to you or was not open to you. We often view those situations as one-sided, but we all play a role in things. That's what always drives me crazy about uh, any type of tribal uh, mindset, whether it's churches, politics, where we always have to say, you know what, if only that group would stop doing that, we would be fine, right? They are the problem. And we never look at ourselves and say, how have I contributed to this problem? Because it's not just them, it's also us. We're participating in this as well. Community should be the place for the death of the ego. What matters is that God has unleashed this new world through Jesus Christ. That you look at the Old Testament and the laws and following the laws, and now this new creation, this new grace-filled creation... It feels unwieldy, chaotic, because there isn't those certain laws that could keep you in place or keep others in place. Grace, that sounds too silly. But Jesus invites all of us to share equally in this blessing. It's a new life. It's a new promise for the future. Because the gospel doesn't come from the source of humans, but it comes from Christ And it's not defined by our human categories. Grace never makes sense. Forgiveness never makes sense. At least to our human minds. Grace reaches out and embraces the whole world. Not just our group of people. And the sign that that a community embraces this grace is not some mark of the flesh like the church in Galatia was trying to make it. But by the presence and joy of the Spirit. Have you ever been in those situations in communities where you could just feel the joy of that community? You could feel kind of the lightness of it? That's what it's talking about. And have you ever been in those communities that you can just feel the tension? That's the difference. So, going back to Coda. Without the support from her music teacher, Ruby 
wouldn't have built her confidence in her musical abilities and to apply to music school. At a certain point in the movie, you saw it in the trailer, uh, where the Coast Guard requires her dad and brother to have a hearing person on the ship. They, and they are also getting taken advantage of by another, um, I don't know, all the, the people that sell the fish for them when they catch it. Uh, and so then they go out and start their own co-op. And they couldn't do that without the help of the community as well. So really, this story becomes a story about inclusion into community together. It's so easy for us to complain about the ways in which we are different, or those who are different from us, and we want them to just conform to our own ways. But community calls us to a larger expectation, to make room for those who are different. I think a lot of our inclusion problems comes from laziness. We just don't want to do it, right? It's too hard. You think of the family in CODA, sign language. If you have a, a family in your community, let's say we have a family in our church community who are deaf, then to truly include and bring them in is we're going to start learning sign language to help them feel seen and heard. That takes work. It takes a lot of work. It takes effort. It takes commitment. And oftentimes, we just don't want to do it because we all have our own things going on. We're all busy. We all have our own stresses. So inclusion in community is difficult, and it takes work. It takes forgiveness. It takes reconciliation. But it's not uniformity. I think we get in trouble when we think community is uniformity, that we're all the same. We all believe the same things. We all have the same values. Because there's a danger in our world today that we want everybody to be the same, but then we lose our own uniqueness. There's a scene in this movie that I couldn't get a clip for to show you, but it's the mom talking to Ruby and saying that when Ruby was born, she was so afraid that she was a hearing person, that she wouldn't be a good enough mom because she's deaf. And that that feeling of wanting it to be uniformity, right? But then she learned to see her as a unique, precious, important, and valued individual that had gifts to offer the world that they didn't. So this means that in community, we must learn to love difference, which is really hard, to see it as a treasure and not as a threat. Community means the respect and love of difference. So Paul is reminding in Galatians, too, that sometimes the duty of community may be irksome, it may, may be annoying, it may be hard, but one day we will harvest, harvest what we sowed. It will come back to us. We, the love that overflows will come back at some point. So in the book, Bowling Alone, it talks about different ways we can try to create more community and social um, capital together. And I, I kind of read through that and some other things, and I put together some ideas for us as a community of faith and as people of what can you do in your own life to maybe help see others and their differences and how that's unique for all of us. I think the first one is, let your faith be the most influential part of you and have it become more tolerant and generous. 
that your faith is the guiding light in your world and the decisions you make, the way you treat others, the way you see others, the beliefs that you hold, that your faith is the first and foremost piece of that. And then to use technology to reinforce face-to-face connection, not replace it. We can use tools and technology as a way to connect with one another, but not letting it replace actual connection. And then interact with art and culture more. Be curious, not judgmental. I've known some people in my life, been in some communities in my life in ministry, where there's a slightly more Puritan type of feel around culture and art. Can't watch that, can't watch that movie. That movie's PG-13, no way. There's this purity piece to it. But when we do that, we often lose out on experiencing new experiences and understanding people better. And then finally, be discipled by your local church community more than your news or political party. I've seen this become more and more evident and harder and harder to combat within ministry as a pastor in churches. That people seem to be discipled more by whatever news station they watch or their political party rather than their faith. And we need to turn that around. So, CODA helps us to understand how those who are different from us can often be isolated because we don't want to do the work of community and inclusion, but movies can help us expand our understanding of others, and CODA helps us do just that. I'm going to show our final clip here, and it's uh, the, e- the ending of the movie, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's the best encapsulation of looking at how far they've come where they're going now, and how different it looks. Because now, they're celebrating with others in their community, they're connecting with others in their community, and the family is letting Ruby be unique for who she is. of angel fair and ice cream castles in the air and feathered canyons everywhere I've looked at clouds that way but now they only block the sun they rain and snow Clouds got in my way. I've looked at clouds from both sides now, from up and down, and still somehow it's cloud illusions. I recall, I really don't know. Dizzy dancing, way you feel, 
it's just another show You leave them laughing when you go And if you care, don't let them know Don't give yourself away I've looked a lot from both sides now From give and take and still somehow It's love's illusions I recall I really don't know love And fears and feeling proud to say I love you right out loud. Dreams and schemes and circus crowds. I've looked at a life that way. And now, old friends, they're acting strange. They shake their heads. They So Coda teaches us that community transforms people's hearts. And that's what Paul's getting at in Galatians. So may you, with the help of the Spirit, be transformed and help transform others through relationship and through community. Amen? Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.